Things, a podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York. My half is recorded in Wellsville, New York. My guest today, Sally Jacoby Murphy, the queen of Halloween, coming to you live from the Fred and Harriet Taylor Memorial Library in Hammondsport, New York. Sally, hi. Hi. I bet the scariest thing about this podcast was getting that name right. You know what? As I started, I was like, <laughs> can I do it? Can I say all the names in the right order? But I did. You did. Yeah. Did. Yeah. yeah. It was like muscle memory. I was like, don't think about it too much and it'll happen. <laughs> So, Sally, my hat is off to you because I I just never would have predicted many, many years ago in Halloween Now 2 how much your queendom would grow year after year. We said this last year, but this year it's really blossomed. Hit me up. How many how many <laughs> Halloween podcasts are we doing? I'm doing five this year, which oh my is awesome to me. So okay. I've already done this in Dorian life. Yeah. Uh, and then today, previously on X-Men Dropped, which I got yes. to do. Yeah. Um, and then upcoming are 90s Music Got Me Like and 9021 Here We Go. So yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. Five in one year. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty legendary. <laughs> Have you learned anything so far from doing these other podcasts? What's your takeaway from the ones you've recorded? My specialty is Halloween uh, okay. and that other we people that have specialties I am learning about. I oh. mean, I especially like, so the 9021 Here We Go, yeah. I'm very new to that world, which yeah. is super exciting and fun to like dip my toe in. Sure. Um, and previously on X-Men, so this is my second time doing that one. Okay. But like, I don't know a lot about superheroes in general or the X-Men and so it is always fun for me to do those because Hillary is like, she is an expert on it. And having known her for many years, I have absorbed some of this <laughs> just okay. in conversation, but okay. it's different when you're like, you're doing it for a podcast, you're learning stuff. So yeah. it's yeah. a great time. I love wow. it. <laughs> well, good, good. Glad to have you back here. Always nice to have you. Uh, this is Halloween now eight. This is the eight. If you, if you count all the, all the books episodes that we did and then the house things, Halloween now eight, here we are. We're going to be talking dang. about, I know, all things Halloween and a little bit of uh, Josh Mallerman, who is someone I've been reading a lot of uh, in the last couple of years. So we'll dig into that down the road. But right now, let's open up our books and see where our bookmarks are at. Sally, are you reading anything good these days? Yeah. Um, well, so it's taken me a while. I've been reading it for about a month now, but I've been reading Jesus and John Wayne. Don't know oh. if you've heard of that. I have, but I, tell me about it. Well, so it's nonfiction, and it's basically... It's basically talking about the growth of the evangelical church over the last oh, okay. like hundred years. Wow. So it's, and I think it's a pretty fair investigative sort of story about it. Yeah. Um, but the author who obviously I'm blanking on now, which sucks, I'm sorry. Uh, but she uh, is pretty balanced. Uh, she talks about some of the things that are maybe wrong with the evangelical church, but she also talks about some of the things that make it unique. So I'm really enjoying it. I find it really fascinating and good to learn about. That sounds um, interesting. Uh, Roger, our senior intern, is telling me that that book is written by Kristen Kobes Demez. <laughs> noise. So, there yes, you go. That sounds there right. There you go. So, I feel like that's you're... a fascinating topic, just just from like a from a detached like analytical perspective, like whether or not yes. you have like a horse in that race. I think just looking at how the church and how people interact with the church and the role it plays in society has changed 
I mean, over the last several hundred years, but particularly the last hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah. Agreed. That's a, Agreed. That's a, those, those waters run deep. Yeah. Um, and to balance my evangelical nonfiction, I just started <laughs> gender queer. Oh which yeah. Is, is ranked currently as the, like the number one band book. So yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had Ben Lehman on the podcast a few episodes back for band book week and we yeah. had both read that. I was really impressed with this. I read this back when it first came out knowing next to nothing about it. One of the things I really appreciated about it was that it was informative for one mm -hmm. as, as a nonfiction thing. I mean, it, it touched on issues and, and concepts and things that like, I don't often think about and even things that I was kind of like, oh, okay, I've heard that. But I didn't know what that meant. But it also really works as a graphic novel. Mm. And so often when you try to merge those two, one of those suffers. Mm -hmm. e either like sort of the factual, like educational portion of it is kind of goes by the wayside for the comic or it almost feels like it stops becoming a graphic novel and becomes just like an illustrated nonfiction text. But genderqueer, I think like hits the perfect center of that. Nice. It does a really good job. Yeah. I mean, I'm only at the very beginning of it, but I would agree with you so far. I feel okay. like it's right engaging from the beginning and yeah. And easy yeah. to follow. So from an educational standpoint, that's really great. But yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, and yeah. as we've established, you're, your knowledge of graphic novels has increased both with Night of the Gorax on this Endorian Life and That's Mark right. of the Monster on previously on X-Men. So you're just yes. comic book graphic novel left and right. It's just true. It's hit. true. And honestly, I'm like getting back into them. I was a, yeah. a huge like comic book fan as a kid. Like I loved Bone and Calvin and Hobbes and all that stuff. But it's like recently, like since starting doing like doing some guest spots on this Endorian Life and previously on X-Men. And then my brother got me Fun Home for Christmas last year. Okay, okay. Um, and yeah, I've I've like gotten way back into them. It's it's a different kind of reading, but it works my brain in ways that I really appreciate. So yeah. Okay. What about you? What are you reading? Well, I've got one for you on that topic. I actually, I wanted to specifically talk to you about Fantastic Four Full Circle by Alex Ross. Are you familiar at all with Alex Ross? Is that a name you know? No. Okay. He works pretty extensively in comic books uh, as an artist, but his there's no mistaking his art. Like if it's an Alex Ross piece, you know it. Uh, and he, he's a painter. And so he, all the comics are like fully like painted. And so he's got some um, like the Marvels and the one that but the one I'm talking about here now is Fantastic Four Full Circle. And he, he both wrote and illustrated it. And it's just great to look at. It's also expressive and there's always a real... Um, kind of a throwback 1950s vibe to his his work i mean he's he's done portraits of you know all the classic superheroes i mean you could just kind of google that and find all the things he's done and he he puts a, a realism to it that works really well and so when he sits down and does a whole book um it's just amazing to look at and fantastic four full circle is worth it just for that i mean just as a flip picture book it's a big uh sort of an oversized graphic novel so not the traditional dimensions the story is good it's a good throwback fantastic four story but it just it looks great it's visually just really stunning as i would expect from him but this worked really well so i would i would recommend it whether you're a comic book fan or not because it's just cool huh yeah i pulled up a picture of it right now um and it yeah. is beautiful yes yeah truly beautiful to look at some of the things in here uh, there's a classic marvel artist marvel in dc but marvel artist named jack kirby who co-created most of the marvel universe really 
And his work is also very unmistakable. And he worked on Fantastic Four for a long time. And there are elements in this book, too, that harken back to Kirby stuff, particularly the colors and things. So just a lot there. It's really neat. I wish that Marvel would do more of this kind of thing. They, they don't often do like, here's just a standalone graphic novel that you can read. No context. Just read it. So I'm hoping that this is like the start of a new trend because I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah, well, and, and speaking from somebody who's not really delved into the superhero world too often, I feel like that's one of the things that's intimidating about it is you kind of feel like you've got, oh, I don't know, like a hundred years worth of these yeah. comics that interact with each other. So yeah. starting with like a few standalones just for those of us that want to dabble a little bit would be yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a perfect way to go. I mean, I have been reading comics since I was a little kid and even now I'm like, I can't read this because I haven't read the 30 issues that came before it, you know? <laughs> So, yeah, I know. Just like you, Sally, I'm re reading a graphic novel and a nonfiction. I read The Greatest Beer Run Ever by Chick Donahue. Hmm. Have you I heard of this one? I don't know anything one? about that, no. Okay. I think it's, it's actually, it's a movie now as well, but it's a true story uh, set in the Vietnam War where a bunch of guys back home who aren't deployed are like, man, all of our friends over there, they just, they need to know we're thinking of them. They need a, they need a nice cold beer and a friendly hello. And so this guy who is not active in the service, was a former merchant marine, was like, well, I've got credentials to work on ships and things. So I could, I'm sure I could get everybody's looking for work, you know, to, to aid in the Vietnam War. And he's like, so I'll sign on with a ship and I'll take beer over there and I'll find all of our, our drinking buddies and just kind of pep them up and give them a beer. And, you know. That's what the that's what the story basically is. He goes over huh. there, but getting there is one thing. Getting out is is another. It co sort of coincides with the Tet Offensive and things. So he finds himself in Vietnam for longer than expected. But it was really good. It was just it, it was a nice, short, manageable nonfiction. You know, um, there's a lot of humor in it, but it also you know gives you some good historical facts and things too. So I had a good time with that. I'm currently nice. reading Sparring Partners by John Grisham collection of novellas and liza born a star by wendy lee nice to round it out it's yeah. funny i'm about to start run rose run uh the dolly Parton, dolly Parton james patterson yeah james patterson crossover Did which you is kind of like or something it, or, or... <laughs> uh it's actually our next book club pick here at the fred and harriet taylor memorial library <laughs> um yeah. but it's funny because a couple of the folks in the book club read it they didn't love it but mm. they really wanted like it made them want to know more about Dolly Parton. Oh, sure. So we're reading the book, but then we're also, we just got a bunch of like memoirs and books on Dolly Parton and her songwriting um, and stuff. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the book and then just talk about Dolly Parton. For sure. Why not? <laughs> that, that book has a soundtrack that goes with it. She has an album that's a companion oh, really? to the book. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. I'll have to make sure we get that too, because that would be you fun can, to have it. You book can check book. it out from the David A. Howe Public Library, Sally. Well, great. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in Hammondsport, but we've still got CDs, baby. That's true. We we no longer do have CDs. Yeah. Ram Every ram. year, I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? <laughs> well, I apparently for me, this one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. No, we have some diehards who use the CDs mm. and then others who just kind of use them randomly. So every year, we're kind of like less and less and less. Mm. But we're still, if something hits really big, we usually try to get it. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, especially in this moment when I need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad to help. What are you watching? Oh, so many things. I'm okay. always watching so many things. Yeah, are you um, watching The Patient? I am watching The Patient. Steve Carell, yeah. man. Yeah. Steve Carell. We knew that man too. could act, but he still surprises me. I know. Yeah. <laughs> 
and I'm that loving is... the slow build. Like I, I, I've heard a few people complain about this, but I actually love I it that too. it starts like a two man play. And then as it progresses, it starts to like feel more and more like a bigger world. I mean, yeah. it's really clever. I like it, it a lot. It is brilliant on the length too, because if this yeah. was a 45 minute show, you'd be like, no, but yeah. 25 minutes or whatever it clocks out to be is just right. The basic yeah. premise is Steve Carell is a therapist to a serial killer who doesn't want to be a serial killer anymore. Question mark, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it escalates from there. So yeah, yeah good stuff. What else yeah. you got? Well, so for TV shows, I'll start there. So I'm watching The Patient. Okay. I just finished The Midnight Club on Netflix. Oh. Okay, uh, I don't know that. It's kind of a teen drama show but it's well written enough that i got hooked by it um it's basically a group of teenagers who are all terminally ill and they oh. have been sent to sort of a boarding school situation that also functions as a hospice um so basically they know this is the end of their life and they have this club called the midnight club where they meet every friday night and they create ghosts in that they tell each other ghost stories oh um so there's like an overarching, like, is there something in this facility that will actually cure them of their diseases? But then each episode is basically like a different ghost story that they have written and are telling, which is pretty, oh. it's like a cool setup. I just started The Watcher also on Netflix. Oh, yes. That was recommended to me. Yeah. It's so far pretty interesting. It feels, okay. yeah, it's like um, a la the Stepford Wives kind of okay. feeling. Okay. So far, good. I'm in the swing where we don't have Netflix at the moment. Ah. Oh, yes. So, Your son told me this when he had a sleepover oh, at my house. He's, yeah, he's not about it. He, he's, <laughs> that's not a decision that he co-signs at all. So. <laughs> yep. And I've been going through like a true crime spooky thing recently. Okay. So okay. I finished Dahmer, a friend Ooh. of the family. I'm currently watching the thing about Pam, not. Candy. Okay. So those are all like true crime dramas that they've done. Yeah. That are all pretty well done, I would say. But nice. yeah, so that's my TV journey. Nice. I could go into movies too, but do you want to tell me about your TV first? <laughs> you know, I'm in a, I'm doing a play right now, and so like my yeah. nights are so locked up. Um, but I mean, we've been we've been really enjoying She-Hulk, which just had its finale. Oh, yes. Uh, that was that was a good run. Like I said, watching the patient, Star Trek Lower Decks, of course. I gotta you know, catch up. Gotta on get that. in with that. Uh, and then there's just you know other random things that we're like, oh, let's watch this. I'm really liking Abbott Elementary at the moment. Oh, that's so, cute. I love Abbott. A lot of, uh, a lot of, I feel like we're leaning more sitcom-y lately just because things have been so busy. So a little like quick bite kind of stuff. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. My wife and I have bought this giant spooky house. And so, <laughs> yeah. and she's yeah. hard to pin down to watch anything anyway. Mm. Uh, but she can really only handle the new Lord of the Rings show or Seinfeld. <laughs> so those okay. are the two things we've been watching together. Right. Um, I mean, Seinfeld, classic, one of my favorite sure. shows. Can Absolutely. always return to it. The new Lord of the Rings show, you know, it's a thing. It's the most expensive show ever made. Yeah. <laughs> but they nuts. couldn't hire a single writer, let me tell you. <laughs> that's what I keep hearing. Yeah, I mean, yes. mostly from you, but I do keep hearing that. It just kills me. I'm sorry. But my, my brother and my wife have been like, because my brother and his wife are watching it at the same time, and they okay. keep sending each other memes about it because it's just so infuriating. <laughs> Okay. But it is what it is. <laughs> I just watched this movie called Love is Blind. And it was interesting. It was one of those movies where, like, it ends. And I'm like, I liked that. I think it was interesting. Does it actually land? Does it sell its premise? I think no. 
but I, mm. but I do like it. It was the story of this woman who I don't know what you never really kind of know what happens, but she cannot see her mother. Interesting. Um, yeah. And so that sort of like develops over the course of it. There's people that she just can't see. Like she can't hmm. hear, she can't interact with them. So it's treated like it's a psychological problem, but there also feels just like a little bit of a otherworldly sort of element to it. Uh, it was interesting. I, I liked it. Matthew Broderick and Chloe Savini are in it. Uh, hmm. Shannon Tarbinate and Turner. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was worth a watch. It was worth yeah. a watch. I enjoyed the journey. I do like Chloe Savini. Yeah, she's, she's a good. classic horror actress. Oh, is she? I yeah, just saw she's her speaking of the uh, true crime. I just saw her in the um, the Elle Fanning show. What was that? The girl from Plainville, yeah. It's an interesting yeah. story. Yeah. yeah, it is. There's a good documentary on that on mm. HBO, too. I mean, as far as movies go, I mean, it's spooky month, so oh, pretty much everything I'm watching them. is horror. Save, save, save the horror for our segment, then. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Anything well, then, else, I have nothing else, in not, the way of else. movies. <laughs> yeah, nothing. they're all okay. horror. <laughs> okay, all horror. All horror all the time. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, on that note, why don't we slide into a little bit of book news then? So I'm going to give you, Sally, the list of the Bram Stoker Awards for 2022. So these are books and things that came out in 2021. And I'm going to run down the list of the winners. You tell me if you've read any of these. Okay. Oh, man. All right. Here we go. The winner for best novel. My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. Good title. I have not, but I do love a good chainsaw. So. Okay. okay. First novel. Uh, so best first novel. Queen of Teeth by Haley Piper. That sounds intense. I, all of these titles so far really seem to be piquing your interest. Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, a, a, a theme. Okay. Young adult novel. Best young adult novel. The River Has Teeth by Erica hmm. Waters. That's two. Interesting. Two teeth. For long fiction, so, you know, an extended more than a short story. 20th anniversary screening by Jeff Strand, which appeared in Slice and Dice. Short fiction went to Permanent Damage by Lee Murray, and that's in the collection Attack from the 80s. The best collection, In That Endless, Our End, Gemma Files. The best anthology went to When Things Get Dark, Stories Inspired by Shirley Jackson. That was our topic last year. It was. Good times. Nonfiction Writer's Workshop of Horror Number 2 by Michael Nost. Short Nonfiction uh, Horror Writer's Architects of Hope by Angela Yuriko-Smith. Best Graphic Novel, The Inhabitant of the Lake by Alessandro Manzetti and Stefano Cardicelli. Best Screenplay went to Midnight Mass Season 1, Episode 6. Book 6, Acts of the Apostles by McFlanagan, James Flanagan, and Jeff Howard. I know you watched that. Yes. How do you feel about that? I didn't love it, to be honest, oh. uh, which uh, kudos for it for winning something, but I found it yeah. kind of a slog. Oh, finally on the list here for Poetry Collection, Tortured Willows, Bent, Bowed, Unbroken by Christina Singh, Angela Yuriko-Smith, Lee Murray, and Genevieve Flynn. I have never thought about horror poetry as being a specific genre that would be like on an awards show for <laughs> okay. or an awards list. It, uh, it but now I want to go read some horror poetry. That well, let me awesome. tell you the other nominees then. Apache yeah. Witch and Other Poetic Observations Ooh. by Joe R. Lansdale. Exposed Nerves by Lucy A. Snyder. Mm. Strange Nests by Jessica McHugh. And Victims by Marge Simon and Mary Terzio. 
nice. you can find more about the Stoker Awards at thebramstokerawards.com. You can find this year's list, past year's winners, and uh, the the coming year's nominees should be up shortly. So that's thebramstokerawards.com. Did any of those stoke your interest? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think a few of them did. I am okay. always fascinated. So, like, my favorite horror don't usually involve teeth, necessarily. Teeth. Teeth. But I think just the fact that teeth is in more than one title on this list. Yeah. What is it about teeth? I don't know. Is it that they're, like, a part of us, but not a part of us? Mm. I don't know. It's just so mm-hmm. interesting to me that that shows mm-hmm. up. But yeah, I mean, for reals, I'm going to go check out some of that poetry. Okay. There's something claustrophobic about teeth and teeth problems and stuff like getting your wisdom teeth out or something like that. It's like, just like you said, they're there, but like maybe they don't want to (laughs) be. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. And it goes, yeah. I don't know. It is. All right, Sally. uh, It's time for Halloween now eight. So let's roll into all the things we've been reading and watching for Halloween 2022 sweetness well i mentioned that i'm in a play and that play is the adams family the musical (gasps) it's got such a fun script the music's great the music's also very complex as we're learning as we go through it but the show's a lot of fun and i'd never read charles adams original comics before have you read many of these no i haven't I've seen so, like the original black and white show. I've seen the yeah. new movies with Angelica Houston and the newer cartoon movies, but yeah, never the original. No, comics. I hadn't either. I mean, I was familiar with the imagery because they use it, you know, like there was a cartoon that was on in the nineties that used that imagery and stuff. So I was familiar with that vibe, but the comics are surprisingly good. I would be shocked if Gary Larson of the far side was not heavily inspired by Charles Adams because there's a real, you know, the far huh. side has sort of an undercurrent of darkness about a lot of <laughs> comics, you know, and obviously for the Adams family, it's not so much an undercurrent as just the current, but mm. uh, the cleverness I think really is there. And, you know, given their age, not all of them, uh, you know, age appropriately, <laughs> but I think overall it, they're really, they're strong and they're interesting. And especially given their time, I think some of the, dark topics they cover just to be like popping up in the new yorkers you know is is cool and they they do for the most part hold up check them out i think you'd be a fan yeah it's funny that you say i would never have guessed gary larson like if you (laughs) oh yeah had like attributed them to anything Uh, Uh, but i have a lot of respect for the adams family stories i actually saw like a meme the other day that was talking about how the marriage between uh, it's Morticia and Gomez. Gomez, yes. How it's such a healthy marriage because <laughs> they're very supportive of one another and the way yeah. they talk to one another and like all these things. And I was like, that's true. Like it's a yeah. very the whole thing is very healthy family dynamics. Which yeah, yeah. Well, in the uh, the other interesting thing about it too is that they're not sad or depressed. No, they're always like looking out, you know, at the rain and being like, what a beautiful day. You know, they're not. <laughs> yeah. They're not sulking in that. They're like really true, truly like enjoy that aesthetic and are like happy with it, which I yeah. think is kind of cool. Yeah. Who are you, you in it? Oh, well, the the plot of the play is that Wednesday Adams starts dating a guy who's just like normal and she's starting to act more normal. And the uh-huh. Adams family is like not <laughs> about it. And so both families come together. So I'm the dad 
of the other family. So, you know, <laughs> a fun scene with me and Gomez of me just being like, I hate this. I don't want to be here at all. That so, sounds incredible. Fun. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So I, I did. I read, um, we had a lot of the collections in our system. So I read a, a, quite a lot of the comics just to kind of like get the original tone. And I, I think it's cool. I think it's pretty cool. The Adams Family, I mean, I, I watched Adams Family and Munsters constantly when I was a kid, when they were yes. on Nick at Night. And it's interesting the difference between them because the Adams family are weird and embrace it. The Munsters are weird, but play it perfectly straight. Like they're just an average normal couple, mm-hmm. you know? So it's yeah. kind of a, you know, it's hard to not compare the two, but like that's the different tone they take. And uh, I, you know, I think both work. Have you seen this new Munsters movie that's out now? Oh, I didn't realize there was yeah, a, there's like a live action Munsters movie that came out. I don't think it did very huh. well, but. Yeah, it's rolling out there. So yeah, I didn't even see anything about that. Maybe I'll have to add it to the list. Yeah. So what Halloween reads have you done so far? Not enough, to be honest. Okay. I mean, I we are going to be talking about my most recent Halloween read here. Okay. But other than terrifying questions of our current political landscape, oh. I haven't really read anything scary okay. this okay. this year. Well, I read Tales from Vader's Castle, which is a Star Wars collection. Oh, yes. oh well, I read one of those. <laughs> yeah, you read issue number four with the Ewoks in it for the Sindorian That's right. <laughs> but the whole collection is pretty fun. It's a junior level graphic novel, and it's Star Wars stories that all have a creepy vibe. So it's like a frame story, and each issue has like, I remember a time when, and you go to a different kind of creepy style. And the art changes, and yeah, it's pretty, I think it succeeds pretty well as spooky star wars so that was fun we both read x-men 40 for previously on x-men which features a play on frankenstein yes which was also very fun it was really fun to read that issue and sort of talk about it like mary shelley's frankenstein's monster so like Mm -hmm. the frankenstein and then how he's depicted in this comic which yeah that was cool i i really enjoyed that conversation different vibe my annual Archie comic this year is Sabrina's Monster Manual, which is a collection of Sabrina the Teenage Witch stories. And it's an assortment of things from all eras, like 60s, 70s, uh, some 90s, I think are in there. The newer stuff I don't like as much, but the classic Archie vibe I, I really like. And that's just like every Halloween and Christmas, I got to get it like an Archie themed collection. Nice. That's what I'm doing now. Every year for the last decade plus, Eric Mickles and I have read a Stephen King together. And this year he chose Cujo, which I'd never read before. Have you read it? I have not read it. To be honest, that would be one of my less interested ones to read. But yeah, I'll, join, I'll join you there. I'll join yeah. you there. <laughs> Was it good? Did you like uh, it? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, 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 like, I'm kind of on the fence about it because it was the last of what I consider the classic canon True. of Stephen King that I hadn't mm-hmm. read. So I, I liked it for that reason. And I did enjoy the writing. The thing is, like the stuff that you know about Cujo, you know, rabid dog, people trapped in a car, right? I mean, is that the extent? Basic, yeah. Okay, that's pretty much (laughs) what I knew. It's so long before that happens. And then like the last third of the book is pretty much just the people trapped in the car and Cujo kind of around. So it's not so much like Jaws, but with a rabid dog, which is kind of how I was picturing it. And the thing with the two being trapped in the car and Cujo kind of circling it and trapping them in there would be a great short story but it the place where it comes in the novel feels to me like oh we're doing this now and that's it mm. 
You know, it's not a lot of like, here's a problem, here's a problem, here's a problem, here's an attack, here's an attack, here's an attack. It's kind of normal until it's not. Hmm. And so I feel like as a whole piece, it would have been better as a short. I feel like that's a common problem with Stephen King. Where yeah, I feel it, like the the novels that are novels, phenomenal. But then he has a string of these novels that I feel like would be better as short stories. Yeah. But he's yeah. so Well, Christine. <laughs> yeah, Christine. Back, classic. Christine definitely should have been. I like yeah. his writing, and I think particularly his writing in that era is very strong. So yeah, plenty there true. to like. But it wasn't, it also wasn't really creepy enough either. Mm. I would have liked more from the dog's perspective because I felt like that was kind of unique and, and an interesting thing to do. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a ton of that. I've been uh, actually thinking I want to read misery, but I haven't, oh, I haven't read misery. I haven't read yeah, misery. I haven't done it yet. And well, and I love the Kathy Bates movie. Oh yeah. Um, and I was just thinking the other day, I was like, you know what? I should read another Stephen King and I know what one I want to read and it's misery. <laughs> misery. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> uh, my final Halloween book that I've read this year was Unbury Carol by Josh Mallerman. But we'll get to that in a minute because I want to talk a few Mallerman things with you. Tell me what you've been watching. And I know I'm just going to prop my feet up because I think this could be a long list. <laughs> I mean, so I've already told you about my TV shows. So those are kind of out of the way. And a yeah. lot of those are more like true crime, less horror. Okay. Um, okay. Although I think those have a big overlap. I mean, especially with the Dahmer show, that's obviously like both true crime and also pretty horrific but movie wise so i've been watching so i rewatched the entire conjuring universe which oh. for those of who are not familiar with the conjuring the first movie the conjuring came out in the early 2010s i think it was 2013 and that's a story about the warren couple who are very famous ghost hunter spiritualist folks they are the Amityville horror folks. They're renowned for being ghost hunters, essentially, and had been doing it for, you know, 60 years before okay. they retired. Uh, so the first film, incredible. Great movie. One of the classics of the last, like, decade. Definitely worth a watch. But then after that, there's The Conjuring 2, then there's Annabelle, then there's Annabelle Creation, and Annabelle Comes Home, and then The Devil Made Me Do It, and then The Nun movie. <laughs> and so I watched all of them again. Wow. Um, and let me tell you, after that first Conjuring movie, they take a steep they dive. Go down. They go <laughs> um, down. Okay. But, I mean, The Devil Made Me Do It is pretty decent. If you like the Annabelle haunted doll story, they're worth watching, but they're kind of campy and they're a little silly. The best thing about them is that the Warren couple come up an, again and again because they're such a, good characters. So I watched that. I rewatched The Ring movies, which is becoming like an almost biannual event for me i don't i feel like that would stick with me i don't know yeah i mean I it is the last wait. time i slept in my parents bedroom <laughs> was when <laughs> i was 16 and i watched the ring and i my parents used to keep a sleeping bag at the foot of their bed in case any other kids were scared they could just come in and like lay there and i was 16 and i had watched it and i was like ah shoot that sleeping bag is calling me <laughs> but now I, I mean, as an adult, rewatching them. Also, like VHSs are not as scary or prevalent as they were in 2003. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so are they? I mean, what's what's getting you so far? Are, are any? I sound sounds like none of these so far have been the thing that's really like chilled you. What's the scariest thing you've watched from this year? Yeah. From this so, year. Oof, the scariest. I think the best scary thing I've watched this year, or the scariest, I should say, is a movie called Watcher. 
Uh, not to be confused with The Watcher, which is yeah. the show on Netflix. On Netflix. But Watcher, which was a Sundance premiere film uh, that you can oh. see on Shudder. Yeah, yeah. We have it AMC might, it's Plus. probably on Amazon, too. We yeah. have AMC Plus, which includes oh. Shutter and IFC and all that. I keep seeing that and almost watching it. Is it good? Yeah. It's quite good. It's an hour and a half. You might hate it, though, Nick. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a... Uh... Uh, it is very scary. It's essentially about a woman and her husband who moved to Romania. So she doesn't speak the language or anything. And she is convinced that someone is watching her from across the street. And there's a serial killer. But the way it's presented is very quiet. There's not much of a soundtrack to it. The like serial killerness is like in a very sterile, like she sees newspaper articles or okay. like somebody brings it up at a dinner. So it doesn't feel sensationalized at all. Okay. Um, but it's very creepy, very like real life scenario kind of horror. We just watched it the other night and I knew I had won, you know, a lot of awards at Sundance and people were talking about it, but I liked it much better than I even thought I would. So I recommend wow. that. Okay. But I also liked uh, Black Phone. That was really great. Oh, okay. Um, Is that Ethan Hawke? Am I thinking of the right yes. thing? Yes. Yes, okay. you are. Yeah. Okay. He's the producer, director guy. Uh, okay. that's great it's about a 12 year old boy who is abducted and he in the abductee's basement can hear other abductors on the phone oh my gosh what Wait. is this Sally's diary oh my gosh <laughs> look at this we're, we're getting discord bombed by Eric Mickles Eric welcome thanks Eric I was just telling Sally about how we read Cujo together at your suggestion and I, I gave my rundown on it what, what did you think about it uh, I found Cujo to be one of his breeziest novels. Well, that's true. Maybe that outside true. of Carrie. But I also felt like the concept was a bit sweaty by the mm -hmm. the last third. It's like, yep, she's still in that car. Dog's yes. still inside. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I was yeah. expecting more like, oh, Cujo's here. Ah! Attacks. And it really was not, not yeah. really part of it. So, nope. yeah. Better than, better than Christine, I would say. Yeah, Christine. I, I think we said this. I said this last time. Christine, I felt like was supposed to be more grindhousey, and instead, it was very like love is real, and these <laughs> teens felt it more strongly than anyone had ever felt it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Sally was just telling me about Black Phone, which is what she's she watched most recently. What about you? Have you watched any Halloween things this year? Yeah, I did not watch Black Phone. I can't decide if I can handle it or not. Sally, I think you could handle it. I mean. Okay. <laughs> it's like it's kind of i feel like if you have a kid you might have a harder time with it just i do i do have children a kid. being abduct abducted mm -hmm. yeah i'm not sure i would pass. recommend it to nick but hard pass guys you could do it eric <laughs> what if i was watching and i was like this kid is like my dog sophie and then i couldn't watch it because i was like why is this person abducting real... golden retrievers that's a I real mean, danger as a dog mom i understand that fear but I think it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is dogs are even dumber most of the time they they don't even need to be offered anything. You just say, oh, come no. here. The dog's like, all right. That's true. Very and dogs can't thing. answer the phone, so. That's true, too. <laughs> and if a ghost dog was in the basement with you, it couldn't talk and give you any warnings or anything. It would just bark. Yeah. Right. So, there, yeah, would, there's some plot holes there. I would read a book about a ghost dog. I think <laughs> that'd be fun. So that'd dark. Be fun. Uh, I mean, I watched Beetlejuice a couple nights ago. Oh, uh, yeah. I showed Kendra Practical Magic because she had never seen it. With Sandra Bullock? Yeah, Sandra a Bullock. Classic. Wow. Okay. That movie, I know Sally just said classic, but it has some strange tonal shifts as it goes on. Like one minute, 
it's a very like we're witches and we have to stab birds and the next minute it's like isn't this a fun family comedy where we're all tripping on a rug or something and then it's like now we have to do a possession but now also the neighbors are kind of goofy too do you know why eric it's because it's made Uh-oh. for women what? Oh. <laughs> and we women are witches and we understand <laughs> wow it's so funny because we're watching it i'm like this was a lot scarier and less funny when i was a kid but that happens the fear doesn't hold up what about hocus pocus 2 eric i know your wife is big in hocus pocus 1 i thought she was going to be first in line have you guys watched hocus pocus 2 yet she hasn't watched it i'm probably not going to watch it yeah oh i saw it oh you saw I it s- tell me yeah tell me. How i saw it, a how meme that said hocus pocus 2 is a bad movie that panders to millennials and i said that's what I want. I want a bad movie that panders <laughs> to me. And they delivered, let me tell you. It is wow. not a great movie, but okay. I loved it and I was there for it. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm glad to hear you liked it. I watched one called The Canal. It's a, it's an Irish film from 2014. It's by Ivan Kavanaugh. And it is, it plays like kind of a ghost story, kind of a possession story uh, where like deaths keep happening. And it's one of those ones where you don't know, like, are these people crazy? Is this real? Is it happening? And it kind of keeps you on your toes during the movie. It's not great. The pace is a little slow. There are some decent scares, but by the end, you, you're just kind of left with being like, really? That's the resolution, huh? That's what you went with. Like, <laughs> I feel like just turning it off 10 minutes sooner and having no answers would have been better than like being spoon fed the resolution so, so kind of didn't work saturday kendra is not going to be home and i have mm-hmm. every intention to watch the exorcist for my first time oh and i'm i'm probably going to do it during the daytime Good and call. probably even have the blinds open so i could look outside every now and then that's wise i was just texting sally about poltergeist because i've never seen poltergeist and i don't know where i was i think we were at a fathom event for the wrath of khan and there was a uh a trailer ahead of it for like a, you know, a, a re-release of Poltergeist. And I was like, man, I should watch this movie. Sally, you think I could, you think I could handle Poltergeist? Yeah, I do. I uh, also Poltergeist is like, I mean, it's a little creepy, but it's, it's one of those movies that suffers from the time it was made in. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it pulls you out of it enough because you're like, oh, that was a little weird and campy or like mm-hmm. that special mm-hmm. effect was silly. <laughs> Spielberg produced that one. So there's probably some of his touch on it. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think The Exorcist is genuinely scary, especially if you have any inkling to believe in anything supernatural, uh-huh. religiously or not. Uh, yeah, which is how you live your life, Sally. Well, yeah, because it's all real. Because <laughs> I'm not stupid. I live my life one exorcism at a time. Yeah, yeah. Although I actually don't believe in demons. <laughs> so okay, don't. that's where you draw the line. Everything I, else, yes. I just, I don't believe in hell, so. <laughs> oh. Seems like you're in the clear. The ghosts, huh. yes. The only sure. thing you could uh, bring about is are good spirits then, so. Yeah, that could be nice. Well, no, yeah. people are pretty evil in their own right, I think. Oh, uh, sure. Okay, so bringing it's just evil <laughs> Bringing us down. What else is on your list? <laughs> what else is on your list, Sally? Um, The only other thing that's i have is we're we're all going to the world's fair which i would actually recommend it's a quiet slow movie but it's super creepy um and it's all shot documentary style so 
yeah, that's a nice little gem there. Is, and it's horror. I mean, it's yes, yes, it's definitely okay. horror. It's super okay. freaky. You wouldn't want to watch it. <laughs> oh, me? you said you recommended yeah. it, just not to me. <laughs> not to you. To people who like horror. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, people out there who are like, oh, that sounds good. Not yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of watching something scary, I finally watched that Scooby Doo movie from 2002, the live action one. <laughs> Boy, it's bad. Freddie Prince Jr. Scooby Doo. Yeah. Yep. I oh. did it. put it on for Kendra. And I've watched it because I'd never seen it, and it was awful. Bad. Yeah, I I'm sure at some point in my life I've seen it, and I certainly remember like sequences, but I don't know that I've sat down and watched either of the two. I was not prepared for how much farting that CGI Scooby was going to do on screen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a fart battle between him and Shaggy, and I'm like, the one thing Scooby Doo shows never were were dumb. Yeah, yeah. you know what's That's funny. True. Is that's one of those movies that I saw at, at the drive-in, and I remember thinking, like, even as like a young teen, like, this is stupid. This is going yeah, nowhere. Sure. But now, teenagers, that's one of those movies that, like, so I'm coaching volleyball at the school here, and like, that's one of those movies that they quote and they talk about, and I'm like, this is not yeah. it. Like, you are pick, you have picked the wrong movies to like yeah. think are classics. Yep. I need to give them a list. The other one they really like, scary movie. Remember those stupid yeah. like oh, I you love that movie. It's terrible yeah. and it has not aged well. Very <laughs> ableist problems in that movie. Oh. But they love it. Huh. Kids are dumb. Have you guys seen Werewolf by Night over on Disney Plus? Uh-huh. No. Sally, Werewolf by Night Marvel character. Jack uh. Russell is his name, which I think is is beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful coincidence. Gene Gene Conway created the character. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't know there was a dog breed called the Jack Russell, so he just called a werewolf character Jack Russell. And then later, people were like, "Why'd oh, you name gosh. him after the dog?" He's like, "Well, what now?" That's kismet. <laughs> that is kismet, Sally. The thing I think you'd like about it is there's a lot of certainly the the opening credits, but the whole thing is a lot of homages to like classic Universal horror stuff. Hmm. Um, I wish that that stayed more true throughout the special. What did you think of it, Eric? It's more fun because it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's just an hour long. So it just feels like a TV special. And I like one of the characters that shows up. But I don't love that the character that shows up is basically just Groot. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's it's fine. Every now and then it has some kind of it has some like cool moments. Yeah. Uh, But for the most part, I can't. I don't know. I'm sure in the same way that some kids were maybe scared by Hocus Pocus. This might scare <laughs> some kids now. It'd be like, Werewolf by Night was the scariest thing I ever saw. Uh, there's worse ways to spend your Halloween right now. Yeah. It was directed by Michael, I can't say his name. Oh, Giacchino. Yeah. Yeah, who's a composer. This is like his first directorial thing. Yeah, yeah, and he also so, scored it. I love his scores. He yeah, He's one so, of my favorite current composers. Good, good yeah. for him. Yeah, definitely. The basic plot is a bunch of monster hunters are going after a, a certain artifact and then, you know, mayhem yeah. ensues. It was definitely more brutal, more violent than I expected Marvel to go. Sometimes maybe they get a pass because it's black and white. Yeah, I'm sure that helped. Yeah, but it was just a cool, like, random thing to do. So, yeah, I like yeah. that. I am in the middle of reading two scary books. Okay. I'm reading uh, Kill House, Kill Creek. It's right next to me. Why can't I? Kill Creek. It's about four horror authors of different types of horror are requested to do an interview in a haunted house by a web millionaire kind of person. And the house is death haunted. That sounds fun. Is it fun? So you got somebody who writes like the, this isn't horror, it's literature kind of writer. You got the person who's writing like, this 
her characters are having sex with demons and it's as hardcore as you can imagine. And then you've Yowza. got the writer who's basically Stephen King and the writer who's like writing Christian horror and they're all slowly losing their minds in this, uh, this haunted house. I feel like that sounds kind of cool. Are you enjoying it? I am enjoying it. it. After like this third chapter, I'm like, oh, I just want to read this. Huh. I'm reading Chasing the Boogeyman, which is about a serial killer in a small town. And it's kind of written like a true crime. And I recently read The Last House on Needless Street, which is about this sister who's trying to solve the abduction of her little sister from years ago. And like the entire time I read it, I was just filled with dread. Oh, wow. And, and there's all these like little elements uh, and other characters that show up and you're like, and every now and then you're like, I don't think what I'm thinking is real. And it just, it, there's a few twists and turns I expected. And then some, I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. I feel like you're winning. My, my reads have been somewhat lackluster and Sally's falling behind. So yeah, you, true. you take the crown for uh, yeah, reading. Sally, you might like Kill Creek for all the different uh, horror homages. I, you might also like this book I just read. I didn't love it because I didn't like the writing style. It's called uh, My Heart is a Chainsaw. It's about this girl. Have you read it? It just no, won it, an award. Yeah, it won yeah. a Stoker Award this year. Yeah. yeah. It's about a teenage girl who is obsessed with slasher movies specifically. And she believes she's seeing the signs that a slasher movie cycle is starting to happen in her town. And her goal in it is to find the person she believes is going to be the final girl and prep her through this thing. But it's... I don't love the writing style. There's a lot of rambly stuff, but she's also rambling about slasher films. So you might really dig it, Sally. Would you get every reference in this book? That's what I want to know. Would you get every single one? I mean, maybe. I don't, I don't I know. So. I guess I'll read it and I will report I back. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it might actually, because of the rambliness of the writing, it might benefit from uh, an audiobook as well. Oh, I could see that. I'm a big audiobook person. I'm a very auditory Thanks. observer. Instead of like my eyes glazing over because it's like we've been in the same run on sentence for three paragraphs. Like it might be nice just to hear somebody else like take natural breaths and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it sounds like if it's an audiobook that's like really performed that that could actually yeah. really benefit. I, I thought I tried to read one of his books is called The Last Final Girl. But the writing style was even more bizarre. It was written like it was supposed to be a script, but not a well-structured script. I just I couldn't finish. Did not finish. That's odd. Yeah, that's what I got. Okay. I read some other right. horror books this year, but, you know, it's, it's so long ago. The yeah. one you suggested, Nick, the house at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. Read that one. I read this book called Nothing But Blackened Teeth, which okay. started out really creepy and then just kind of got silly. Okay. So, and The Whisper Man. I read The Whisper Man, and that is one I would not suggest to you, Nick. Okay. Because I... the serial killer is going after small children. Every time you say that to me, I take it to heart. It's why I've <laughs> never picked up the Sandman in all these years. Sorry, Neil. I, I got my sister-in-law Pet Cemetery for Christmas last year. Ugh. And in between Ooh. now and then, she hasn't read it, but she has become pregnant. And I was like, yeah. don't read it. Yeah, this maybe. isn't a to read now. She yeah, has maybe, become maybe. pregnant. <laughs> she has become pregnant. Just yeah. like Rosemary. <laughs> yeah. Ah! <laughs> Creepy. Well, Eric, we're going to be talking about the house at the bottom of the lake. Do you want to stick around and talk with us? All right, let's do this. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so, yeah, House on the Bottom of the Lake, Josh Mallerman. This is one of, uh, I've read a couple of his books. I read Bird Box 
the sequel, uh, Mallory, and then I just read Unburied Carol, which was eh. But House at the Bottom of the Lake was one that I really liked, and it kind of stuck with me. And when I read it, I was like, I have to get other people to read this because really I want to know if you guys feel like it sticks the landing. Sally, how was your experience reading this book? I enjoyed most of it. I really love the imagery. They describe this house at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Wait, there's a where is it? <laughs> it's at the bottom of the lake. Spoiler alert. Um, but when he, so when one of the main characters gets in the water for the first time and they describe the house below him and like the size of it, really beautiful descriptions and really truly terrifying. Like it's yeah. a very cool idea. It's a really strong concept. If you haven't read it, and we do have it here at the David A. Howe Public Library, everybody. Uh, let's give you, let me give you a quick synopsis for us. Both 17, both afraid, but both saying yes. It sounded like the perfect first date, canoeing across a chain of lakes, sandwiches, and beer in the cooler. But teenagers Amelia and James discover something below the water's surface that changes their lives forever. It's got two stories. It's got a garden, and the front door is open. It's a house at the bottom of the lake. For yeah. the teens, there's only one rule, no questions. And yet, how could a place so spectacular come with no price tag? While the duo plays house beneath the waves, one reality remains. Just because a house is empty doesn't mean nobody's home. Yeah. So, you know, they basically, they they go and they find this, like, kind of an offshoot of the lake. They go through really a couple of narrow passages, and they come to this clearing, and they look down, and they see a house. And at first, they think, oh, there must be a flood or something like that. But as they go and explore, it's a perfectly intact house with things just, you know, chairs on the ground, curtains hanging where they should be. Nothing's, like, floating around. It's not you know, molding and rotting and stuff like that. It's just a very intact house and they become obsessed with it, really, and start spending more and more time down there and, and creepy things ensue. Uh, yes. You don't think so? I don't think anything creepy necessarily happens, but I think it stays creepy throughout. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair assessment. There's I, a... It's a short book and I wouldn't say there's a lot of events that happen, but just Definitely. like the tour through it is very like unsettling most of the time. Yeah, I agree that that was a thing. It sort of just, this permeates a little bit of like a dread and what's going to happen and, and thinking things are just around the corner. Sally, I was interested to hear your take on this as, as an aficionado of the genre. What did you think? I mean, honestly, it reminded me a lot of the haunting of Hill house that we read last year um, oh, in okay. that, that eerie feeling. Yeah. Um, I mean, the haunting of Hill house that's longer. Uh, uh -huh. So there's more time for events, but yeah. I think this sort of like obsession with a place, this constant eerie feeling, lots of like good eerie descriptors. Yeah. But it's also a concept. I mean, what a cool concept. And I don't really know of anything that has done something like this. Like it feels pretty yeah. unique in that way. Yeah. It's like the so classic too. haunting, but like in this way that I've never seen or heard done. So yeah. Yeah. Let's build it. What? I don't know. I, I feel kind of inspired. Let's build it. Let's build a oh, house sure. at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. How? I think the, the one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sally, don't worry about that now. Just start okay. gathering materials. Sally, <laughs> we're only saying yes to this idea and no questions. We're That's building right. a house at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. It's fine. That why? Was, that was the rule that the characters had. No questions. All right. Slight spoilers for the end of this book. The resolution is no resolution, really. How do we yeah. feel about that? That was the part where I was like, do I like that? Do I not like that? I, I yeah, you know, I don't think my wife liked the ending, right? Do you remember? I don't think she did, no. But I did. <laughs> I, I just feel like it's, it's exactly what's, I don't know, what's on the page. Yeah. I, yeah. I was kind of surprised that 
there was this like, what happened at the end? I'm like, I don't know. It's it's there. She's there and it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. I feel yeah. like, I don't know. My interpretation of it was that it got him. Like, that they're yeah. no longer in our plane of existence or something. At least one of them. I, I thought oh, at least her. I'm not sure. Yeah, at least she's gone. Yeah. I imagine him just running down the street being like, where? Where are you? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's in a yeah. silent because he still hears her voice calling him. That's <laughs> that's what I landed on, though. Because, I mean, like I was saying about the movie that I watched, The Canal, the problem with that really was too much explanation. And I think the lack of explanation here just leaves that sort of creepy, like you want a resolution so you can be like, okay, fine. And since you don't get that, it kind of sticks a little bit more, I felt. Yeah, I agree. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. And the length, I, I do think, is perfect, too, because it's really... It's probably longer than a typical novella, but definitely shorter than a typical novel would be. So it's an easy one to crack out in one sitting, which is how I read it. And I feel like that that really added to it because like, I just, I wanted to know. I wanted to know, I wanted to know. And as you have sort of hauntings and ghostly imagery and you think things are going to turn throughout and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And I, I did feel like that worked. That kind of reminded me of Stephen King's Bag of Bones a little bit. Like uh-huh. some of the ways that like, I wouldn't say ghosts, but the apparitions or whatever. Um, some of those interactions reminded me of that book in a good way. So I thought it was kind of the perfect Halloween read, really. Yeah, I would recommend it for sure. Yeah, I'd recommend it. I put it on my staff picks. I don't think the ending is too ambiguous to leave. I, though, I don't know. Maybe uh, I think maybe Kendra was a little mm. bummed out by the ending. Yeah. Well, so. it, it certainly doesn't give you what you want, but I just think that serves the story better, you know? Mm. Yeah, mm. I agree. Well, and I think particularly in the novella form, it feels yeah. like this is, it feels like somebody telling you a story and we don't know the end. You know, it's right. it's sort of like you drift off at the end of the story around the campfire, which I like. Yeah. I like I've been thinking about that because of some of the horror I've been reading. A lot of it's very present tense and it feels like that, is the way to do it because mm. in present tense, especially if it's first person present tense, we don't know like what's going to happen because this isn't written in past tense. We're like, okay, so this has happened. And then even like subconsciously we think like, well, somebody's writing this. Yeah. So it's fine. It's but true. in present tense, it's more, it's actually happening, happening at this. So like at any moment, the present tense narrator could be killed. And Yeah. Yeah, true. that's true. It sort of forces an immediacy that, like, the, the distance of a narrator yeah. doesn't have. It's not he stepped on it. It's like, I took a step, and yeah. I'm stepping up the wall. It's like, oh my gosh, don't! Yeah. So I really liked this one. One of his I read the most recently was Unburied Carol, and I love the title. The concept is this woman, it seems like she dies, but she goes into this, like, dark sort of fugue state where her body seems dead but she's her consciousness is alive and she's just in this state until she isn't anymore and there's nothing she can do she can't move in this when she's like in this darkness and people find out about this and try to take advantage of it uh and that's pretty much the plot of the story is she a cat is she a cat uh i I don't like schrodinger 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 Yeah. yeah, it's a very yes. intellectual reference. Yes. Thank you. I uh, couldn't say it, but I could. No, but we knew what you meant. We knew what you meant. <laughs> they start to get into a little bit just where she goes, and it starts to feel a little bit more like it's not just her subconscious or whatever. It feels like she's going to some sort of 
dark realm. And I think that if that side of it would have been more of a focus, you know, like as it goes on, that becomes more and more what the book is about and less about like her life around her. Because it's a Western. It's like set in that era. Just The strings never quite pull tight enough, you know, like it just Uh never it never gets as deep as you want. And it and because of that, it never quite becomes creepy. So I, I, I don't think I'd recommend it. Sally, a book I would recommend to Sally is called Universal Harvester. Mm-hmm. It's take my headphones off. No, no, you'll be fine, Nick. It's it's actually I don't. This is a book that the ending really upset me, and I'd be curious to see Sally if you would have the same thing because I feel like the first half of the book is promising something, and then the second half of the book is like, just kidding, we're a different type of book altogether. But it's creepy. Somebody is this. It takes place in like 1999 or 2000. Somebody works at a video store and they're finding somebody has been recording just small amounts of segments, like two minutes over these rental tapes of things that seem pretty disturbing. And they're trying Mm. to figure out who's doing it and what's actually happening on these tapes. Huh. It's got a a love of VHS. It's got this creepy element. So. Yeah, that does sound fun. Yeah. Sounds I, like the story behind the movie VHS. <laughs> oh, you think I could handle it? I do think you could handle it because of the second half of the book. I think you What a vote of confidence. Of okay. Yeah, this was a book that after I finished it, I'm like, you lying son of a <laughs> But That's fun though. That's fun yeah. though. Little uh, little theory. Before we move on totally from Mallerman. Bird Box? Have you guys? I mean, that's the one that everybody when you see that name. I, I did not watch Bird Box. I haven't seen it either, but I read the book and, and quite enjoyed it. Sally, what did you think of the movie? Does it count oh, as horror? I liked it. Yeah, I think it counts as horror. Okay. Um, I mean, Sandra Bullock, who doesn't love Sandra Bullock? Yeah. Um, yeah. And she does great in it. I think it's a pretty well done movie. I So I watched it when it first came out, and then I rewatched it today, <laughs> this morning. Okay. okay. And I feel like I enjoyed it the second time even more. I think the way they handle the well, the sort of entity that's haunting or like killing them is yeah. really well done, which is a near impossible task for like yeah. an invisible monster. <laughs> but no, I think I'm, it's a great movie. I'm trying to remember because so I've read Bird Box. I haven't seen the movie. And then I read Mallory, which is the sequel. Mm. And you could put Mallory in the category of completely unnecessary sequels. Like mm. you definitely don't have to read it. And in some ways I feel like it takes away a little bit of the creep factor of the first book, but I, I like the writing and I like the character. So I did enjoy it. I can't fully separate the two of them in my head. So I don't know. Mm. Do they get into what's actually happening in bird box? Like, do you know why the things are happening? Not really. So bird box is the main character is Mallory and she is a pregnant woman. And one day, while she is pregnant, the whole world just starts killing themselves. Yeah, and yeah. so they're like, we don't know what's going on. And so she takes refuge in a house with like a group of people that are the other characters. Yeah. Um, and they realize pretty quickly that whatever this thing is, it's like some sort of like monster entity, blah, 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 ghost thing. Uh, if you look at it, it harnesses, like it seizes onto something that like gives you despair and it kills you. It makes you kill yourself. Yeah. Um. And so she, like they all realize this and they realize, oh, if we stay blindfolded, if we don't look at it, we'll survive. But then there are traveling groups of people who sort of believe like, oh no, it will like your eyes will awaken. And, and she mm. is trying to get, eventually she 
and her then ch- two children are trying to get to a safe haven. Yeah. But they don't okay. really say like where this thing came from, like where, like how it was created or like anything like that. Okay. So mm. the sequel Mallory does give you a little bit more about what is going on and some yes. of the ways that they adapt to deal with it, I think are, are truly interesting. And like the concepts that it explores were unlike other things that I've read or seen. So for that, I got to give it props, but yeah. I feel like you're fine with just bird box. And I think the creep factor there, but some of the stuff that happens in it works really well. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's another one that I feel like is just ratcheting suspense all the mm-hmm. time because it's, just not being able to use your eyes is, yeah. is a, you know, if that's something that you're used to having that being gone, you know, you're just not prepared for it. You're tossed into that. Yeah. I hate, I yeah. read that book to a spider and they're terrified. They don't even, yeah, they can't, they can't even think about it. Yeah. I mean, I will say I like a whole, you can't look at it or that like, that's the thing. I think that's yeah. really cool. I think that's yeah. a really cool way for the monster to like yeah. destroy you. The one complaint I have is that they keep so there's this group of people that are apparent they're sort of like zealots like a yeah a religious group that forms um and they keep talking about how these people came from like this insane asylum <laughs> and i'm like i am all about a group of religious zealots like who are a little unhinged being like no it is like the coming light like you must mm. look at it that's a super mm-hmm. cool idea why do they have to be people who came from an asylum like why do we yeah. have to bring like mental health into this mm, yeah. that's my one complaint about it come uh, on sandra but i love uh i think sandra bullock's character is actually really interesting i think the group of people she ends up in the house are really interesting they're a good group of characters he is not afraid to murder people which is always a good thing in a horror movie because you don't know <laughs> what's gonna happen yeah man i hate to think what would happen if the monsters from bird box and the monsters from quiet place teamed up you know <laughs> what do you do yeah. what do you do man I got to say, in your house. Quiet Place 2, not as good as Quiet Place 1. Sorry. If it would have gone for something different, I just think the resolution of Quiet Place 2, this is where I always get hung up, that kind of makes it small again. Yeah. Where I feel like had they gone wide, it would have been different. But I still liked it. I saw, I saw Quiet Place 2 at the drive-in, which was like mm. the ideal place to see it. So, you know, always a good I, place. I had a good time. I had a good time. But yeah. yeah. This is super, this just reminded me of monsters and all these cool monsters and stuff. The new Jordan Peele movie. Nope. 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 Yeah. Have you seen that yet? We have. We saw it, it together. together in Maryland. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. What'd you think? I don't want to say now because you seem very excited about yeah, it. Yeah, I could see Listen. the smile on your face. I it, I just, it did not work for me. Ah. <laughs> uh, so... I think it worked for me more than it worked for Nick, but I mm. found the I didn't find it particularly scary or particularly fun. And I felt like it wanted to be like either an old school Spielberg kind of movie or wanted to be like the next signs. And I felt like it didn't land on either side. I would agree with that. That's that lines up with how I feel. I, so the movie itself, uh, I didn't like think was a fantastic movie. I think it had Uh a lot of like, Plot holes and Look, I we can't Bill talk about the Gordy that. scene. If that's what you want to talk about. I don't want no, to talk about the Gordy scene. I don't scene. want to talk about it either. No, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> <Okay>. No, <laughs> but I just thought it was one of the best new monsters I've seen in a long time. I mean, it was it was a bizarre thing. Yeah, it was so cool and so creepy. That monster, the screaming from it, that alone. Yeah. I I would watch a whole movie where those screams are just echoing overhead. I loved that. There's, she's tricking you. The real monster is exploitation. <laughs> yeah well that's what i thought was weak about it but 
<laughs> I, I like how you can't quite wrap your mind around what it is and the design and how it works and stuff. Like yeah. you kind you basically know, but like when you really think about it, it's like, well, how do you know what I mean? Like it just, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of, I just see it as like, this is something that if it didn't live in space, it would live at the very bottom of the ocean. It's only those mm-hmm. two places that this thing could live. So either, yeah. either it lives far, far away from humanity upwards or far, far downwards. And we shouldn't be messing with it either way. Either those two places or New Jersey. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh boy. Really got it. It is a flying garbage pit. So. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Just Whoa. kidding. I don't have anything against New Jersey. Oh, Queen of Halloween. More like it. Oh, boy. That's very good. All right, guys. Do you have anything else on your Halloween to do list before the actual day arrives? I've got, I've got a couple more books after these two I'm reading at the moment to okay. to get to and i gotta do the exorcist i gotta watch one of the of dead uh george a romero zombie movies i think it's gonna be land of the dead this year because it's been okay. a while i've only seen that since it was released in theaters so i haven't rewatched it since okay boy and if you want to talk about a movie that's prescient for our times watch land of the dead i don't think i want to sally have you seen that one <laughs> yes yes the fancy tower where people want to live yeah mm-hmm. it's yep it was i don't know if Romero wasn't basing Dennis Hopper's character on Donald Trump in 2004, I don't know who he was basing him on. I hear you. What do I... So, oh, I actually... I on, the, on my to-do list... Oh, wait, are you leaving? Actually, wait, Eric, are you really leaving? No, I want to hear Sally's thing, but I'm walking oh, away. Okay. Go ahead, go. <laughs> on my list... Uh, so, my wife has actually never seen Beetlejuice, which I did not realize <laughs> and is a travesty. Ew. So, that's on our list. I know Eric mentioned he watched it again this year. Funnily enough, my brother is teaching a zombie class in January. He's a professor of English literature at Elon University. Uh, and he should send you his syllabus, Eric. I feel like you'd get a kick out of it. Yeah, I'll send him my zombie blog videos I used to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was I was watching a bunch of zombie movies with him and stuff. All right, I gotta go. Just like recently, a few weeks ago, um, in preparation for his class. But I did go to the Andover Haunted House, so that has oh, been yeah. checked off my list. But if okay. you are local to like Allegheny County, Steuben County, check that out because it is a good one this year. I believe one of your staff members, Jessica, I is in it. I was going to say that, Jessica Weisscheck. Yeah. She, is, uh, she is a tried and true uh, haunted house lady, and she's yep. there every year, and it's like... You know, it's basically her Christmas. Christmas is also her Christmas, but this is right up there. <laughs> yeah. This is and right up there. She's fantastic. She is creepy, and she knew my name, which is always extra creepy. Oh, that is fun. That's a so, good time. Well, we did spooky stacks here, and she set up all sorts of scenes throughout the library and stuff. She's, yeah. Fun. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so if you haven't done that, definitely do that. And here at the library, we are doing trick-or-treating on Halloween night, and so I'm going to do my... Which costume, hand out some books and some candy. And we have, so Halloween is big in Hammondsport. Also, if okay. you're local okay. and you don't have anything to do Halloween night, come to Hammondsport because it is like straight out of a movie. The way to <laughs> go. Like, okay. So the kids all trick or treat. And then there is a group of women who do a witch's dance in the center of town uh, to like end the evening. And then we okay. have a Halloween contest for all the kids and like the whole town comes out. It's super that, fun. So it sounds like the perfect place for you to be. Yeah. So. Boy, j- he he vanished just as quickly as he arrived. Yeah, this, he this, is uh, himself a ghost. <laughs> he's gone. Yeah, he he was he just showed up out of nowhere. This is what happens. This this is the kind of fun stuff that can happen when you join the library's Discord server. We do <laughs> we do book you... clubs on here. We do all sorts of stuff on here. So yeah, 
Send is us, that send a thing? Us to... Is the public invited to join the library Discord server? Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah, so yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, we do. We have so we have separate channels for different things. We have a book club channel. Uh, we have the voice channel. Obviously, we have uh, book recommendation channels, and then we have a channel that's devoted specifically to David A. Meow. It's what? really just oh, a David A. Meow David pictures and appreciation. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Thing. Yeah. So, yeah, fun, uh, fun surprise guest there in Eric Nichols, who uh, nice. who dropped some Halloween uh, knowledge on us. Always a good time. <laughs> just like you're saying, Hammondsport goes all out. Wellsville also goes all out for Halloween. So uh, we're we're looking forward to the stuff going down on Main Street. I know some of the churches have things going on. The library has things going on. We have a kids' Halloween party. The book club is reading Joe Hill's Nosferatu. Oh, we're fun. we are we're going all out. So we've got Halloween movies going on. So check the library's calendar, David A. Howe Library.org, or check our social media. We're always posting things on there and join us. If you're local to Wellsville, come on here. If you're local to Hammondsport, go find Sally at her library. Uh, always yeah. a good time. Yeah. Sally, we've done so many Halloween podcasts together. And I am honored. This is the thing that to me truly says Halloween has arrived. I agree. Yep. I agree. Yep. Okay. Always good to talk to you. If this wasn't enough, Sally Halloween, you can find Sally over on previously on X-Men. You can find her on This and Dorian Life. Upcoming, you can find her on 902 and Here We Go talking about Charmed, which I've never seen before, the series Charmed. Uh, and then you're going to be with Eric Mickles, our Discord bombing co-host for a few minutes there. <laughs> Eric Mickles on 90s Music Got Me. Like, we're going to be talking about This is Halloween from... Uh, this is Halloween. The night, Halloween. <laughs> the night before Christmas, yeah. All right, so if five podcasts isn't enough, Sally, for you, you can also go over to our YouTube page or SoundCloud page and look at our Halloween playlist and listen to all the Halloween interviews and episodes and Lonely Hearts book clubs that we've done over the years. That's right. My final question to you, Sally... Halloween costume. What are you doing this year? You know, that's a great question. So I usually go default witch because I got a lot of witchy stuff. Okay. But okay. recently, we, you and I and our wives, uh -huh. uh, attended a Hammondsport event uh, where we were dressed up as Dune characters. Yeah. Um, and I was the Reverend Mother Helen Gaia Mohayim. And that was a really fun outfit to wear. So I may do that again. You looked good. You pulled it off. I was Duke Leto Atreides, if anybody's wondering. Yeah. That's who I was. Yeah. Sarah Jacoby Murphy, Sally's wife, who joined me for Dooney Dune last year, is also going to be coming back. We have not locked in a date, but she and I have read Dune Messiah and Children of Dune, and we're going to be talking about that hopefully sometime in November. So keep an eye on the feed when Sarah comes back and we talk more Dune. Yeah, you're real Dune heads. That's right. We are. That's what we call each other. So, <laughs> Hey, Dune head. How are you? Good, Dune head. <laughs> So it gets a little confusing, but we have a good time. <laughs> Sally, always a good time. Always fun chatting with you. Happy yeah, Halloween. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. See you next time, everybody. Mm -hmm.